Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Lifestyle Accountant Show. I have producer Eleanor back with me today. Hi, El. Hi, Meryl. How are you doing today? Yeah, doing great. And today we're talking all about networking and why building a network as an accountant and particularly an accounting firm owner is really important. So we're going to have a, a little bit of a chat about it, but we also have insights from past guests who have shared their thoughts on networking, whether that's related to networking for clients, to build industry relationships, to try and attract employees or maybe even business partners. So there's a lot to get through. Yeah, it's a it's a big, um, juicy topic, isn't it? I loathe networking. <laughs> I, I, I don't really like the word. I don't really like the sound of it. So I have a not, not amazing, I don't know, perhaps perception is the, the wrong word. How do, you, how do you feel about networking? I don't particularly enjoy it, but it's something I do because I think it is so valuable. And I, over the years, I figured out different styles of networking that fit for me and try and avoid the others. Because I think networking at the end of the day, it's about building relationships and there's ways to do it. Particularly if you enjoy the people that you're trying to build relationships with, then it can be fun. But the places I've found it more difficult where is where not really connecting, I'm not really enjoying the, the conversations or the people that I'm trying to build a relationship with. And, and in the end, I realized that's actually, I, I should just not, not do that. It's not worth it. I want to have authentic conversations and enjoy the people I work with. So there's no, um, life's too short to bother networking if you're really, um, <laughs> the people aren't the right fit. No, totally. And I think that is why, um, like, I think, yeah, networking, it can have a bad reputation and get a bit of a bad rap sometimes. And I think we've all had really awful networking experiences. I don't think there's probably anybody that's ever had only incredible networking experiences. But the title of this episode, so we're going with your network is your net worth, um, which I think you have a phenomenal story around that. Do you want to maybe kick us off by, by um, yeah, telling us that story? Yeah, I, I will. And I think a lot of accounting firm owners will think of networking primarily to get clients. But in, in this case, it was actually about selling part of Beanages. And so some of you will know the backstory if you've listened to the conversation I had with a previous business partner of mine, Tracy Newman. And Tracy and I were business partners in the Australian part of Beanages. And she was already thinking about being ready to exit the business and then had a surprise breast cancer diagnosis and that fast-tracked everything. So we had a very short time frame to sell that part of the business, find a new home for her clients and for her team before her treatment started. And one of the lessons in that story was we were in the process of removing her, the reliance on her in the business, but we hadn't finished that. And so that was why it was very difficult to transition that internally because so many of the clients needed Tracy rather than the Beanages system. And so that was something we were working on, but that was in progress. And so needing to sell quickly like that. So from starting to contact potential buyers to wrapping up the deal and introducing clients to the new accounting firm, that took less than three months. Which is ridiculous. Like that is a ridiculous, like let's just pause for a moment and acknowledge how short of a time period that is to do all of those things that you just said. Like that is, that is like, that's almost got to be a record. Maybe we can apply to the the Guinness Book of Records for 2024. For that. <laughs> it was fast and it was difficult to do that, but it was possible because both Tracy and I already had relationships in the accounting industry. And you might think, well, why would you bother 
they're not going to be your clients. Other accountants are, are going to be your clients, but potentially they will be team members, they'll be business partners, or they might even be an acquirer of your business. And I, I can tell the full story of that acquisition another time, but I already knew who likely buyers would be. And I reached out to probably five or six other e-commerce accounting firms or firms that had an e-commerce specialization to start that conversation. And because we already had an existing relationship, we had trust, we were able to move through that process much faster. So I'll tell the the full story of how that happened another day. But the short version is that because of those relationships and that network, we were able to get a reasonable outcome in a pretty difficult situation for both Tracy and for the business. And um, that episode, it's season one, episode three is that conversation with Tracy. And it's also got the crazy parallels of, you know, you guys both as, um, you know, owners of Bee Ninjas having uh, breast cancer diagnoses, like really ridiculously close together. So that is just a, a great episode. And note to myself that we will have to record the full episode of that acquisition some other time. So I guess thinking about you and your, you know, networking skills, I would rate you extremely highly as a, as a networker. And I think you're very, very um, skilled and systematic at it. But I guess looking back over that journey and at that, um, the sale of that part of, of, or sale of Bee Ninjas Australia, is that always something I guess that you were priming your network for? I guess how active or, you know, accidental was that? Or were you always keeping that as an ace up your sleeve to be able to use one day? I guess your thinking pre versus post is really interesting to me. So I wasn't actually cultivating buyer relationships, which I probably should have been. I've got friends in other industries who are actively building relationships with people, with big business, bigger businesses who they think will make a strategic acquisition of their business where they'll get a great valuation. So I wasn't really doing that, but I just see the value in having a network in your industry. So in this case, in the accounting industry, as well as the industry where we find clients. So I didn't know exactly what it was going to lead to, but I have always thought that was important. And so Within year one, when we were scrambling for new clients at Beaninjas, I was also trying to build a reputation because I felt like I was an unknown in the accounting industry back then as well, back in 2015. So I always had that dual purpose with networking. So so that was all the way back in 2015. So we're now in 2024. So what's that? Nine years have passed. Um, really need to have the have the ten year ten year birthday next year. Yeah. <laughs> um, so then, how does it look different? So then, if you're so you're networking and you're wanting to attract clients versus you're trying to attract business partners versus perhaps you're trying to attract staff. I guess how do you approach those different? I guess, categories and types of networking differently? Do you even approach them differently if you're trying to cultivate for those separate outcomes? I do. And I think this might tie in with the episode we did about speaking, where it comes back to your audience. Because if you're trying to attract clients, so in our case at Bean Ninjas, we're trying to attract e-commerce clients, then to network there, we're in e-commerce communities, we're going to e-commerce events, and we have to think about what social media platforms they're hanging out on. And that's quite different to accountants. And so we have a different strategy. So for accountants, I'm going to accounting industry events. I'm on LinkedIn, which not as many e-commerce owners are on, but the the strategy behind LinkedIn is more in the accounting space. So they're actually quite different strategies. And early on, I was trying to get press coverage. So being featured in things like Acuity, which is the chartered accounting 
magazine. I mean, no client is ever going to read that. So that was purely. I read, I read it every day. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and funny story there. So that was in the first couple of years of being ninjas. And Michael, who's a longtime team member who, who then eventually went out and started his own firm, read about Bean Ninjas and, and me in an acuity article, thought, I want to work for a, a firm that's flexible like that. We were a bookkeeping firm at the time. Michael's ex-Ernst & Young, um, great accounting pedigree and applied at a little old bookkeeping firm on the Gold Coast because he liked that model of flexibility and surfing and, and lifestyle first. And so pitched me that he'd come and work at a bookkeeping firm, learn the ropes if there was a, a the potential to become a partner one day. And, and I really liked that attitude as well and that confidence that he contacted me cold on LinkedIn and then um, convinced me to have a call with him and and then ended up with a job and, and now um, own, well, owns his own firm. Yeah, which is fantastic. Something I think that stands out to me there is it's all, all, also the what, what is even the definition of networking as well? And it is, it's all of those things. It's reaching out to people online. Um, it's, you know, basically anything where you're in touch with people. I think one of the reasons why I have such a bad taste in my mouth to do with networking, it's very this like almost very old school chamber of commerce-esque push your business cards into people's hands. And if that's not what you're doing, if that's not how you're doing it, then you're sort of not doing it right. So I think there's this weird, and I don't know, maybe that's just me. Is that just me? No, that that was my experience too. So that was what I thought networking was. And I was part of B&I and everyone was trying to pitch and sell their wares and um, they could quickly tell in 30 seconds if you weren't going to buy or you couldn't help them in some way. And it felt very short term and not relationship-based. It just felt Dur- like a bit dirty, isn't it? Yeah. It feels dirty, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's how I felt about it and that's why I thought networking wasn't for me. And then I realised actually you could build authentic relationships, long-term relationships. Instead of spraying 100 business cards, you could you could go to an event and aim for two great relationships and stay in touch with those people and try and add value. And so it took me a little while to learn that and I actually learned that through joining an online community which had a no-pitch um, motto. So I, mm. I came from BNI, which was very pitchy and salesy, which is not me. And then I joined this online community, which had about a thousand different um, business owners with online businesses, and there was no pitching. So you couldn't be trying to even be seen to be trying to sell anything. It was all about adding value, giving back to the community. And surprisingly, we actually got a lot of business from that community, <laughs> but, but it was because we we were helping people. The people in the community got on board with the Bean Ninja story and other people then wanted to return the favour and try and help us or, or we'd built trust and so they wanted to try out working with us. And of course it makes sense like of course you're going to go with the genuinely helpful authentic personable kind you know people that you've had interactions with then yeah then the then the weird dude trying to give you his business card in the in the corner of a room the more I'm, the more I say those kinds of things the more I'm just like oh um, so who are um who are some of the people I guess that you perhaps admire the most in um as networkers I think there's different styles of networkers. So there's someone like Dan Norris, who was an inspiration to me. So he's the author of The Seven Day Startup. And he he writes about it. He does not like in-person networking. That's not his thing at all. But he did a great job of getting known online through writing great content and then building relationships through platforms like Twitter. And it was Facebook back then. 
And he was actually the person that invited me into this non-pitchy online community. So he was someone that was further along the journey than me nine years ago and had done a very good job of networking in a different way. So that's really interesting, Meryl, when it comes to Dan. So you said that really like networking and in-person stuff is really not his jam. And how, I guess, how do you feel about in-person stuff? I know that you self-identify as an introvert. I feel like I'm kind of halfway in the in, on the spectrum. I could really almost fall into either category depending what day it is because, um, you know, as in many things in life, everything's just a spectrum. So, yeah, how do you go, I guess, networking as a self-professed introvert? It's interesting. Well, first of all, I think we need to define introvert. So a lot of people mm. think introverts are shy and I'm not shy at all. So I'm, I'm happy. I can feel like I can talk to most people. So I'm happy going up to a group of people that I don't know to introduce myself, starting a conversation. I, I've got no problem doing that. I define introvert or I take it from the Myers-Briggs definition, which is more about where you get your energy. And so I get my energy from being alone and thinking and it's energy draining for me to have conversations with people. So even though I enjoy it, at the end of the day at a conference, I'm absolutely spent and it's hard for me to want to get out and and go to a party that night because I'm kind of done talking for the day. And so something I have to manage is my energy levels. And as I said, I quite enjoy talking to people, but how how do I manage that over a multi-day conference? And so I've got a a couple of things, a couple of strategies that I use to get the most out of an event. Um, And some of it is about preparation. Some of it is about managing energy levels. And then some of it is about the follow-up afterwards. I often like trying to speak at an event because that's a great way to build relationships with a group of people, but not in a one-on-one way because you're up on stage and so they have a chance to hear your message and then they can come up afterwards. Often that starts a number of conversations. It's like a great time, time-effective time hack, isn't it, to be able to, <laughs> speak, One to speak to many people. I know you're also a big fan of efficiency, so it certainly ticks that box, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. I also try and think before I go to an event who I want to connect with. So I'll usually add all of the speakers on LinkedIn with and send a personal message. LinkedIn's changed a little bit now. I'm still on a free account, so I can't write as many. I'm restricted as to how many personalized messages I can write. But normally I'd say something about their presentation or that I'm looking forward to it or something like that. And then often I'll try and then approach some people. So I have in mind some people that I they want to meet and make an effort to organize a coffee meeting or go and see them, go, go up to them after their presentation, something like that. But definitely trying to organize some one-on-one catch-ups at the event. Um, another one is Tyler Kasky, who, who we're going to hear from later in this episode. And so he's, he does a great job online and offline. So he's got a big LinkedIn following, but again, he's not writing anything salesy. He's just writing interesting content that resonates with people. And in person... Uh, I get it interrupt you and just to say that something you said about Tyler is you don't have the perception that he's a great networker because he has such a big LinkedIn following. You actually believe that he's such a great networker for all of these other, you know, well, kind of separate but kind of related reasons. Exactly. It wasn't, that's just a bonus number that he happens to have a LinkedIn, a big LinkedIn following, but also in person, he's very authentic. And you could see him talking to the 60-year-old bookkeeper, the 20-year-old hotshot young investment banker. He'd be able to talk with any of those people, make them feel welcome, make them feel comfortable, ask them questions to, to draw out something interesting from them and, and then also do a good job of staying in touch. 
So he, he he's someone else that does a good job. And in that um, the the interview that that you guys did recently, he actually had a it was like a, a beautiful little overview of you know like how do you um, you know network well almost, which is it's almost like sounds like it's a networking one hundred and one. But I think no matter how long you've been doing it for, how long you've been in business, how long you've been I guess practicing the art of it it's always, I found it really valuable to almost have a refresher and a reminder of this is how you can be great at it and be authentic and feel good while you're doing it. So here's that little section from from Tyler now. It sounds funny, but business needs to be the same as dating or friendship groups. You're not for everyone. You know, like I'm, I, I try to stay very relaxed. I like to have a chat about work, a chat not about work. Um, if someone wants our services, I'm super keen to help. If they're the right fit, if they're kind people, if they've got good intents, if you know they've got a good business model or um, service that we're doing, um, you know, and and some people do go to those networking events to like get off as many business cards as they possibly can, and they're going to follow you up every fifteen or every week for fifteen weeks. And I would rather. I'd rather sit at home on the couch than have those conversations. You know, it's it's a painful process when people are just trying to sell to you. And it's very similar on LinkedIn at the moment. The people that connect with you on LinkedIn and their first email is like, sell, sell, sell. And I'm like, just, just calm down. Ask, how are you? You know, like the questions, if I'm a young accountant, I always kind of have in my pocket is, you know, why did you, why did you choose this uh, conference or this, um, this, topic how did you get here today you know what part of uh, Australia or the world do you live in um, you know what um, what's your role how long have you been there so just I always have four or five kind of general questions in my pocket um, to know um, and then I also ask like some really side ones you know like do you enjoy your job uh, you know do you enjoy your do you enjoy your team do you enjoy the the people that you work with you know what type of work do you want to do in a in a in the next five years. And those types of things really start to open the conversation. So I start with kind of factual answers and then I try to get into a bit more of the emotive answers if I can. Um, but really it's just about asking a question and going. I really like how Tyler's given us these examples where it's about a human connection. It's not looking at these relationships on a transactional basis of how can this person help me? It's thinking about them as a human and being interested and curious about them. Yeah, it's like a just a more much more casual. I'm like, I wish that this is how, say, networking had been explained to me. Why don't, wasn't there a class about this in school? Um, you know, to yeah, have a it's a much more slowly discovering things about the other person, and perhaps there might be some some crossover there. So yeah, I really really enjoy his approach. Are there any other people, I guess, that um, yeah, that you really admire in the networking space? So Jason Stats is someone else that's doing it differently. From what I understand, he does go to a lot of events, but he's more of a speaker than necessarily going around one-to-one uh, -one networking. But he's creating a lot of content and he's active online, specifically on Twitter. He's active now on LinkedIn, but I think it all started with Twitter and then creating one-to-many content, so YouTube videos. And I think that's still a form of networking. If you're, even though you're communicating one to many, you're still building relationships with people. They're getting to know your content. They follow up with comments. They engage. And so I think that's a different style of networking again. 
Yeah, and it, yeah, it definitely, like absolutely in this day and age, like we have to count, you know, online stuff as networking. Um, and he's got some, um, he has a really cool like outlook on this as well. So do you think building an audience or getting active on something like Twitter and LinkedIn, is it something that every accountant should be doing or is it just something, you know, some accountants are cut out for this and some aren't? Uh, everybody should be doing it. Posting online, and this is super woo-woo, Posting online is the like the ultimate vehicle for serendipity, is what I always say. And we all have tunnel vision for what we do today, you know, and we do the things according to how we identify. Like, I'm an accountant. I don't identify as somebody who's gonna post online, buddy. Like, I see your weird videos, like I get that that's for you, but that's not me. Uh, when the reality is the internet is bigger than any of our little monkey brains can comprehend. Like there are so many people on the other side of every single thing that you post and so many opportunities and so much nuance out there that you are not participating in if you don't get involved. And I'm like, and I point to myself as like, what sort of more ridiculous example do you want than this? The fact that I've turned into a job making silly videos for accountants when like I'd never made a video in my life three years ago. And that's obviously that's not going to be the path for everybody. But there is so much opportunity on the other side of putting yourself out there. And there's a hundred reasons why we don't do it. It's scary. Uh, you know, we think, what will what will my mom say? What will my spouse say? What will the people I went to high school say? And all of those things are filters to like you doing what you want to do and like living intentionally and all that accountants are very ROI based people where they're like, okay, how am I going to, what's, how's this going to be worthwhile for me? And when it comes to being online and being like a citizen of the internet and online communities and all that, I think that misses the point because you can only do that ROI calculation if you have a hundred percent surety of what's going to come down the road. And we have, we have 2020 vision for all the things we've already done, but like, you don't know what crazy thing is just over the hill. And there's, especially for people in public accounting where you have this unbelievable resource of experience. There's so many cool things out there for you that you could not even imagine. For me, I, and the analogy I make is it's like pulling a slot machine handle every day. Like you never know who you're going to meet and like what amazing opportunity that could unlock for you. So I, that's why I publish every single day and it's been working out for me. And so if you want to go back and listen to the full episode uh, and conversation that we had with Jason, that is bonus episode number four. And it really is a deep dive into, you know, content creation and how did he get into it and his, his journey there. So if that's something that you're interested in, definitely go back and check out that episode. Um, so let's say you were going to, uh, you know, an accounting conference or a business conference in, in a couple of weeks. What are those different things? Like how much time and effort are you putting into connecting with people that you already know? How much time and effort are you putting into new people? How are you kind of dividing that up? And what are those activities that you're looking to do even like say before, during and after that conference event? I'm doing a, a combination of, of both. So I'm trying to uh, for me now, I think a lot of networking is maintaining and trying to enhance existing relationships. I'm still interested in new relationships too, but if I'm trying to set up one-on-one -on -one meetings, often it's people with, that I already know or we've connected online or maybe we've met a couple of times. So that's probably where I'm putting most of my attention. But I am spending probably an hour looking at the conference website, connecting with speakers, organising that. I also spend a bit of time sending emails or 
private messages, trying to set up the one-on-one meetings. I sometimes will host something. So I've hosted uh, a dinner as an, as an example with a group of, there was about 10 of us, 10 accountants. And that was a, a nice way to put a little group together to spend an evening together with people that I wanted, that I knew, but wanted to get to know better. So that's a, an example of trying to build on existing relationships. And then after the event, I will send some direct messages, but also then if you're connected on LinkedIn and I'm pretty active on LinkedIn, then it helps to stay top of mind if you're posting. This podcast is brought to you by TeamUp, helping you to recruit top Filipino accountants without the ongoing monthly fees. They can source accountants with experience working at US or Australian firms who are familiar with tools like Xero, QBO and Dext. They can also recruit specialist roles like bookkeeping team leaders who have leadership experience and Australian tax specialists. I recently came on board as an investor and advisor to TeamUp and I love their ethical approach to the offshoring industry where they look after both the accounting firm and the Filipino accountants. Make sure to check out the TeamUp newsletter for more content on building top tier accounting teams in the Philippines. That's at hireteamup.com, H-I-R-E. T-E-A-M-U-P.com. And actually, yeah, that's a really phenomenal strategy going back to the to the dinner one. Um, so you and I were exploring some some crypto stuff. What was it, the year before last year or something? Just sort of trying to understand the whole thing a little bit better. And we went along to the, um, was it the Australian Crypto Convention in at the Gold Coast? And yeah, you organized a dinner catch-up. It was the night before the, the conference which I'd never, I'd never done anything like that before in terms of, you know, self-organizing or hosting a dinner with a bunch of people that I don't know because who knows, maybe perhaps I am an introvert because I really don't love meeting new people. Kind of scares me quite a lot. And the fantastic thing about that was there were maybe, yeah, 20 or maybe even 30 people who came along to dinner that night, but then you're already pre-warmed, I guess, to, to a bunch of the people who were going to be there. Then when I saw them about over the next couple of days, you can go over and say hi. So yeah, I'm actually going to change my answer that yes, I am a very big introvert. I also lose energy when it comes to meeting new people, but that was a beautiful way to be able to, I guess, get around that. Because also when you walk into a giant room at a conference where there's, you know, say hundreds of people, it's really overwhelming, I think, in that moment to be like, who who do I go and talk to? How do I, you know, make that work? So I think that is a very smart strategy. I'll add a couple of comments on the crypto one because we were dabbling in that space in 2022 and I was pretty new to it and I think you were as well. And so we went from nobody's in the space to then hosting that dinner where we had a pretty good turnout and I was invited to speak at that conference and I, I couldn't because of my health issues. But it's that I think that's a good example of going from nobody to a speaking invitation in less than 12 months. And that was a combination of, of in-person networking. So I went along to some other crypto events. Uh, you, me and another friend Morgana hosted Twitter Spaces, which is kind of like a live podcast. And then we'd invite people in from the community. Mm-hmm. And so then they helped share out what we were doing each week and we were trying to have conversations and, and get to know people. And then we were creating content about it as well. And so I think that's an example of networking in the space and, and getting known. And I think I, I'm done, done with crypto and that was a fun <laughs> experiment and I've not done anything the last year and a half, but it was a good way to go down the rabbit hole and learn about it really fast and, and try and build a reputation in an industry. 
Yeah, which I think we absolutely um, succeeded at. And yes, I did get scammed out of some NFTs. Um, <laughs> that's a story for another time as well. <laughs> Not by the people that we met, just to be just to be totally clear. Um, so I guess. And the level that you're at now where, you know, how many employees have you got at Bean Ninjas? And you're also doing work across team up as well. So I guess you've got, say, a lot of people perhaps at your disposal now that you didn't have if we reverse all the way back to 2015. So are there any tips, tricks, hacks um, that you've got now? Say that you've now that you've got a lot more people at your disposal, are there certain things, I guess, that you can outsource and take some of the grunt work out of your networking or and which things perhaps is it just like, look, I have to do this thing myself, otherwise it's just pointless. I've not really found a good way to outsource it. I don't have an executive assistant or a virtual assistant, which is a interesting topic, maybe a conversation for another day because many friends and colleagues of mine do, but it's something that I haven't felt the value in because I always want to hire somebody else first more than that. Uh, so I actually do most of it myself. So I send all of my own LinkedIn connections. I write all of my own content. And then if I'm reaching out to people to organize dinners or anything else like that, I'm doing all of that myself. If I had an executive assistant, um, they could probably put together the dinners and send invitations like that, research venues, that sort of thing. And with LinkedIn, I'm always worried about getting banned if, if I have anyone else <laughs> helping or sending requests or, or that I won't sound like me. So I haven't found a, a good way to really out. And that takes up a fair bit of time. I probably probably takes me about half an hour LinkedIn post and I write, I post most days. Yeah. So um, if anyone has any solutions to that, um, <laughs> let me know. Put the, put the word out to the word out to the community. Yeah. I was just interested to see if there were things there, but yeah, it's, it is, it's so personal, I guess, once you are in that relationship, perhaps it would be easier to outsource if you were in the very, very, very early stages and you're just reaching out to people for the first time and just saying hi, making the making the connection. Whereas once you get to relationship, deepening relationship maintenance, you know, yeah, it'll be very easy to know that if it's not you that's actually messaging the person and it's someone else. Yes. So then if you were, if we were going to restart you at zero, um, none of your previous, uh, you know, firm has, has happened, you're brand new signing today, what are those networking key networking activities that you would be doing if you were yeah building a building a brand new accounting firm today if i was starting from scratch again now i'd be back to in person networking i feel like that's the fastest way to get clients so if i was trying to find my next five clients and i didn't have an existing reputation or network i'd be hitting the pavement i'd be going to events i'd probably be trying to focus on one industry niche and just try and get known in that even if i was planning to have a firm that was in multiple. Um, so say it was trade and construction, I'd be trying to go to events um, where they are. I'd be trying to host a breakfast or something like that or fr Friday afternoon beers and get people together and just really try it. In person to me is the fastest way to build relationships. So even though it's harder to scale and it's not necessarily my favourite way of doing it, if I needed sales in the door tomorrow or in the next few months, um, it would be in person all the way. And I'd just be doing the basics of a logo, website and minimal there. And I'd pick one social media channel, which was relevant to the type of client I was trying to connect with. So with trade and construction, it might be Instagram. Um, I don't even know, but <laughs> I know they, they, they take a lot of before and after photos. So um, but that would be the strategy. One social media channel, simple website and, and in person. 
And then once that was rolling, then I'd be trying to build out more of a digital marketing strategy. So I didn't have to spend as much time networking. So then if you are, you're going along to these in-person events, how much time, I guess, are you then going to give those different groups, the different events that you go along to? Do you really go with your gut feeling that it's like you went along to the event, you didn't like it, or how much do you persevere? How do you go about making those decisions as to which in-person events types of things are valuable or when you should cut your losses and go and focus somewhere else? I think you can tell pretty quickly. So with B&I, I knew pretty quickly that it wasn't the right fit. We weren't going to find the right kind of clients that we wanted at b but I'd paid an annual membership. So I still <laughs> can, I, I persisted turning up weekly probably for longer than I should have. I think you can tell very quickly yeah. if, if it's the right group and just um, cut your losses and, and move on until you find the right fit in the right community. Oh, I didn't actually mention online communities, but that's some, somewhere else I would focus. So if there was a group... Yes online, whether it's a Facebook group or it's a paid forum, but I'd also try and get in there. Uh, they can probably tell that you're a vendor and that you're trying to sell. So don't be salesy, don't pitch um, and just be helpful or try and make friends with whoever owns that community and then see how you ask how you can add value. Yeah, nice. I really like that. And don't worry, we're not actually making this up from scratch today. So. <laughs> <laughs> So Meryl, what is, um, so what is your strategy when it comes to LinkedIn? Like that's the platform that, you know, I know you put the most time and energy and effort into. So yeah, what is, what does your strategy look like there? Well, I have a bit of a strategy, but it, it could be better. <laughs> so, <laughs> so when I started, I used to post blog posts on Facebook and on LinkedIn, and then I didn't really like Twitter. So I focused on those two areas. And I'd basically just reshare articles that I'd written, which back then wasn't penalized. Whereas now, if you share an article to of something that's off LinkedIn, then they really don't like it, which makes sense because the, the platform's trying to keep you on it. So that was my original strategy. And just as I met people, I'd try and send a connection request and, and gradually build up the connections that I'd, I had. Whereas now I'm writing native content. So I'm not trying to link to other things. I'm just writing content directly for LinkedIn and I'm trying to write content that's interesting for accounting firm owners. And I would post most days, mostly I, I'm a couple of days ahead. So I write the post and then schedule it to go out at a particular time. Uh, so I'm not having to write every day. And I think the main difference is that I'm a lot faster. So it could take me three hours to, to write one post years ago. And I'd be checking everything. And is the grammar perfect? And should I change this word and change that word? Whereas now I think more of LinkedIn is a, a way to test ideas. And so it doesn't have to be written perfectly. I do try and write something catchy in the first, LinkedIn only shows the first two lines. So there has to be something good enough there to get people to click to read the, the full thing. So I spend a bit more time thinking about that. But it's really just to test things. What, what are people finding interesting? What's controversial? What topics do people engage with? And, and thinking about, okay, I'm, I'm writing this for other accountants is basically what I'm doing. And then I try and reply back to comments. So if people have bothered commenting on something I've written, then I try and respond to that uh, either with a different perspective or, or agreeing. But a couple of areas I probably improve is actually commenting on other people's posts because it's hard enough to carve out the time to write regularly and reply to comments. But if I was to do a better job, that's something else I would focus on. And then I would have more of a posting schedule because I'm still kind of week to week. Okay, Wednesday, I need to talk about the podcast. Let me write 
something about offshoring. Let me write something about e-commerce accounting. So I, I kind of have themes and maybe I'll write something about remote work or freedom or something that's important to me. So I have loose themes, but I know people that do it really well could plan out a couple of weeks or a month in advance with all of their topics. And I'm definitely not there yet. Isn't that always like just this, I feel like it would be a state of, you know, business nirvana to to achieve where you really do have all of those scheduled posts. They're all, they're beautifully written, got the images already, everything's done. I've also never, never achieved that, but I've always dreamed of it. So look, if there are any listeners out there that are doing it, um, we would love to hear from you. How have you, how have you done that? And also just taking our, taking our hats off to you because it is, it's a bloody hard thing to do and achieve to, to get to that level. So it sounds like, what your strategy has kind of developed into, it's sort of more centered around those content buckets almost and making sure that you're hitting, these are the key topics that are really important to me um, for, you know, various reasons related to your own business goals and making sure that you're hitting on those relatively frequently. And I also really like that focus on um, just the replying to people, because I think that is it's one of the, the best, fastest ways to be able to, to deepen and develop those relationships. So yeah, I think, I think you're all over the strategy there. I think you always mark yourself quite harshly. Um, but I'm going to give you a higher mark than what you give yourself. <laughs> Do you have a CRM or use any other kind of tools to like track and manage all of your different business relationships? So we do a little bit on the business side of things, but not so much for personal relationships or pers- personal business relationships. So say where they're not a binges client. So we were using Hype Drive, which was to track leads. And then we use our email marketing system called Drip, where we, we engage w- with people who read the newsletter. And then we team up, we're managing that in ClickUp. But that is more about people that are interested in buying from those businesses. And I haven't found a great way of managing it for my personal connections. I was trying a tool called Dex, which brings in all of your Facebook connections and all of your LinkedIn connections. But I've got over 5,000 LinkedIn connections. And then you have to set up how often you want to be reminded to reach out to someone. You've got to merge the profiles. And so to me, it was just too much of a pain. A heavy lift in the initial instance, right? Yeah, I'm not going to stay in touch with 5,000 people. So then I had to go through and manage it all. And so I think what would be better would be just to create my own list in Airtable. And I've heard of someone else doing this where they it might just be 50 relationships that they're trying to focus on. And then they have reminders just to stay in touch with people and also notes about some nice things that it might have been someone's birthday. They've mentioned their kids' names. They're, they're going off on a holiday somewhere and just noting those things down so that you can bring them up and it shows that you were listening and paying attention and you cared enough to remember that or, or to yeah, write it down nice. to, to jog your memory. So that's something that is on my list to do, um, but I'm doing it pretty um, ad, on an ad hoc basis at the moment. So just when I've got a bit of time, I'll reach out to people or I'll create a Loom video. Um, I'm actually really bad with birthdays because I used to rely on Facebook for that, but I don't really log into Facebook very often. So it might, it might not be for a couple of weeks. So then I'm a few weeks late to remind people of their <laughs> birthday. So I need a better system around that as well. I know what you mean. Or now when when friends have kids and I rely on Facebook to look up their birthdays and then I'm like, well, but now the kids don't have Facebook. So how am I supposed to remember when the kids' birthdays are? Anyway, <laughs> yes. that's just a problem to solve for another, for another time. So it sounds like it's falling 
it's kind of one of those things that almost falls into like the nice to have category. It isn't something that is like absolutely high priority must be done today or the world is going to end. So I guess that's also another difficulty with this kind of thing that it's hard for it. It should be a priority, but also it's never ever going to be the absolute top thing on the, on the pile. If I think about the, is it the Eisenhower matrix where you have the important but not urgent? Unless you're, if you're in a sales role, then I think you would be all over this because your bonuses are related to staying on top of your network. But where it's more that you're building long-term relationships over the years and you're not sure exactly what it's going to result in, you know it's important, but if you're weighing up responding to something else with a deadline this week or prioritizing relationships, it might be easy to to not do the important, non-urgent task. So yeah, so dependent on phase of phase of life, phase of business, mm-hmm. what exactly the function of your your role is as to yeah how important it's going to be, which makes sense. Well, that wraps up today's episode on networking, and it's never too late to get started. So wherever you're at in your networking journey, I'd encourage you to take some action today. Carve out some time in your calendar next week to build on those relationships, and keep me posted. I'm interested. Let me know, reply back, connect with me on LinkedIn. I'd love to hear from you and I'd love to hear what's working for you. Or for, for a lot of people, myself included, I think we've also forgotten a little bit of how to like in-person network during um, the, the COVID time. So another hot tip is make sure you wear pants. It's always a, always a great one when, <laughs> when you're doing in-person networking, still optional for online networking. <laughs> um, and as always, if you've enjoyed this podcast episode, um, it would be amazing if you could give us a review. Just head to ratethispodcast.com forward slash lifestyle accountant. See you all next week.